I'm Alex Ewell. Welcome to The Readback. The day I turned 16, I didn't waste any time. I got in my parents' Grand Cherokee and headed to the Maryland DMV for my driver's test. I wasn't waiting another day for the autonomy that came with a driver's license. Fortunately, I passed. And I've been grateful for the freedom ever since. And that's what makes the rush to autonomous driving somewhat surprising to me. After all, it's not just getting to a destination that brings freedom. It's actually being behind the wheel and controlling your own destiny. For most teenagers, that's particularly important. And yet, here we are, finding ways to cede our autonomy to a computer. Maybe that dynamic is why actual consumer opinions around self-driving remain so negative. J.D. Power has been tracking public opinion on the topic in its regularly updated Mobility Confidence Index. The survey is a revealing look at how people feel about all kinds of autonomous technologies, from current offerings like automatic braking to more future-oriented things like robo-taxis, autonomous cars, and self-driving commercial trucks. So at this point in time, customers have a high degree of skepticism. That's Kristen Kolaj. She heads up driver interaction research for J.D. Power. On a scale of 1 to 100, the consumers at this point in time are at a score of 34, where 100, you know, higher is better. So we're seeing consumers are at the lower end of the spectrum. I think back to my high school or college days and I got a 34 on a, a test or a paper. It wouldn't have been a good score. I mean, that's kind of a failing grade. Is that a fair way to, to talk about it? It's a, it is absolutely a fair way to talk about it. I mean, we've termed it to the industry that there's a low level of confidence, but, you know, I, I would agree with you that we're in the very low realm. And in the year and a half that J.D. Power has been working on the survey, the numbers aren't going in the right direction. It actually has dropped by two points over that 18 months, but really has been unchanged, even through situations such as COVID, where we started to see a higher prominence of delivery of goods. Even with those types of situations, we're still seeing that high degree of skepticism. And and much of it's coming back to simple issues of trust and just understanding what the system is all about and why are we focusing on this technology development at this point in time. Consumer skepticism about technology is getting projected onto cars. And that's not a great starting point when it comes to the acceptance of autonomous vehicles. One of the comments from J.D. Power's survey speaks to the long road ahead for self-driving. This person said, we haven't even perfected car performance in sustained duration. Why should we place a vehicle that drives itself that can be hacked, malfunction, or lacks emotion and good judgment to drive on any roadway where people are? And why would we take away those jobs of those who this concept compromises when we can't even get regular vehicles right? Wow. Right. So within so within here, you can see several elements, right? There's a fear of a vehicle being hacked, malfunctioning, what happens when the system doesn't work right? Is this just going to be a very cold environment? How is it going to make decisions on the roadway? Are we taking jobs away from someone else? And the level of scrutiny where this person is comparing and contrasting to the vehicles that we have on the road today, you know, while the quality is significantly better than where we were decades ago, they are not perfect. 
To get a better understanding of the situation, we reached out to someone who spent much of his career testing cars. My name is Dave Vanderwerp, and I am the testing director at Car and Driver. I've been reading Car and Driver since I was a kid. The 66-year-old magazine is kind of the Bible for car enthusiasts. How many cars have you tested over your career, would you say? Wow, that's a good that's a good question. I mean, pre-COVID, we used to drive different cars pretty much every day. So I mean, it's hundreds per year, and I've been doing this for quite a few years. We wanted to talk to Dave, not just because he has so much experience testing new features, but because he's particularly invested in the future of cars, how they're driven, and whether people like them. Everybody wants this technology to be real. And that includes us, right? Like we come at this issue from a enthusiast perspective, right? We love a great Canyon road on a beautiful day in a great car. And even us, like we are more than willing to give up the not so satisfying parts of driving a morning commute in traffic to and from the office and those kind of things. And so, you know, we're right there with everybody else in sort of our view even as enthusiasts, that we would be happy to turn over large chunks of the monotonous driving that we do to a computer. The problem is that cars, as we've outlined this season, have to operate in a world with an unlimited number of scenarios. It's a very complicated machine that operates really by fairly unskilled operators in just a huge variety of different conditions. When you look at other industries that have some kind of autopilot or driver assist like airlines, right? Highly trained operators operating in very similar weather conditions, you know, once you're up at altitude, no traffic to speak of, you know, pedestrians. And then you go to cars where you have essentially no training. You have millions of people at different age and ability levels. To Dave, the hesitancy of consumers regarding automation makes sense when you consider what's currently out there. It's not that surprising that you hear back on these surveys that the current technologies that are in cars are not that satisfying because frankly, they're pretty clunky today, even the best ones. And you know, when you ask about what are our thoughts on self-driving technologies in the ones that we've tested and stuff, it's like we there really aren't any. And there's only these kind of level level two-ish driver assist, and even the best ones, with very few exceptions, are all specifically not hands-free technologies, right? With the exception of Cadillac Super Cruise and Ford's Blue Cruise, you know, even Tesla Autopilot and full self-driving is a hands-on driver assist feature. Not that you would know that following Elon on Twitter, but, you know, if you Look at the things they've submitted to regulators and in the owner's manual, of course, it tells you to keep your hands on the wheel at all times. There are some emerging technologies, though, that are winning consumer approval, things that will eventually enable a broader rollout of self-driving. One example is blind spot warning systems. These are the lights on your side mirrors that tell you when it's safe to change lanes. It's a true improvement over the quick head turn that I learned as a young driver. Here's J.D. Power's Kristen Kolodge again. We're seeing a high degree of consumer satisfaction when we ask consumers about using that technology and a high degree of consumers that want that technology again on their vehicle. But the good feelings quickly evaporate when these newer features don't work. 
Driving is already stressful enough. And according to Dave Vanderwerp, consumers don't have a lot of patience for anything that adds additional complication. So something that seems fairly simple, automatic high beam headlights. It sees if there's a car coming at me, can turn off my brights, right? Dave lives out in a more rural area with a lot of two-lane roads filled with rolling hills. And that throws a wrench in things. This happens all the time where the car will see the car in front of me, coming at me, it will turn off the high beams. Then the car coming at me will dip down into a slight depression in the road. The high beams come back on. Then it comes back up again. The high beams go off. And this happens two or three times before the car comes to me. And I'm thinking, the person coming at me thinks I'm a complete idiot. And I'm like, it's the car, you know, it's the car. And it's that kind of stuff that makes you just switch it off and forget about it. Like that happens once or twice and you're like, yeah, I'm done. This thing clearly isn't smart enough to know what I want to do. A few features have gotten a particularly bad reception. With the lane keeping and the lane departure warning, we're seeing a high degree of consumers that are just turning those off from the point of view where the systems and how they've been designed to be activated in some cases are perceived to be too sensitive. So the prominence and frequency of alerts and warnings going off is annoying the driver. Lane centering and lane keeping, which started off 10 years or so ago as a beep or a buzz through the steering wheel. And now these systems will turn the wheel for you if you are about to leave your lane. But here again, this happens to me all the time. There'll be a cyclist on the right side of the road. You know, you start to drift your car over, maybe even to the center line or over. I mean, you see that there's no traffic coming at you and you want to give the person breathing room and the car swerves back at the cyclist right as you're going past them. I mean, this is this is not what you want the car to be doing for you. So stepping back, if basic things like automatic brights and lane keeping don't work, how are consumers supposed to feel about the future of autonomy? The experience that consumers have with these driver assistance systems is really critical, right? It's critical to have a positive experience because that's going to set up the likelihood that they can see that pathway towards a greater capability of automation and something that is going to be a desired state, right? If they're not having a good experience now, it just proliferates that skepticism. We each think individually sometimes that we're the best driver on the road and it's everyone else. (laughs) So there's a little bit of that at play and, you know, is a vehicle ever gonna be able to drive and make as good decisions as I can personally? If you're a car maker working on automation, there's still reason to be hopeful about all this. Consumers have a history of ceding control to machines, eventually. And sometimes we're even glad we did. We as a population do experience various forms of automation today. And in many cases, we just don't think about it. Riding in an elevator, that used to be something in which consumers were very skeptical about. And that's why when they were originally deployed, there was an operator in the elevator with you at all times and in performing that type of operation. Now we think nothing of it. We'll even stick with the machines when they fail. Let's say a laptop or your cell phone and 
battery life and or it, it shuts down or it, it malfunctions because of a software virus or you know someone's hacking and taking it over, right? Those are some of the elements that consumers are drawing what they feel are natural parallels to an automated vehicle environment that are saying, well, raising those questions, what's going to happen with this situation? The question is, are cars in a different category? How much will we really put up with? That's the challenge facing the automobile industry right now. Kristen says they've already been too slow in communicating the advantages of automation. We as an industry, in many cases, haven't done enough. We have an opportunity to talk more openly about what the plans are, why we're developing some of these products as well as what we're looking to do to make this an experience that ultimately is going to improve mobility in the end for all, right? That's the ultimate goal. Part of the reason we haven't talked about plans is simply that they don't really exist. It probably hasn't helped that the government has pretty much stayed out of the whole thing, at least until now. Within the United States, regulation has been in a strategically hands-off approach, right? They've been very consistent in their message that they don't want to set the technology winners or losers. They don't want to hinder technology progress. And so there are not any performance requirements on the majority of these advanced driver assistance technologies that we're talking about, nor is there a mandatory requirement for many of them. We'll talk more about regulation in the weeks to come, but there's no way around some kind of government role here, whether the industry likes it or not. And there's really no reason to wait. The technology is already being rolled out. Some of it is being used by other drivers right now. And there really are no rules around its use. While you can't buy a car today that drives itself without you, it doesn't mean people aren't trying. And no one knows better than car and driver's Dave Vanderwerp. This summer, his magazine tested driver assist features on 17 vehicles. The idea was to figure out just how far you could push these cars into a true driverless mode. So wait, let me just get this straight. So you're running these tests, you're in the driver's seat, you activate the self-driving features, you get out of the driver's seat. You're now sitting, you're now sitting where? Well, for this one, I was in the passenger seat. Dave will bring us along for the ride. Next time on The Readback. Thanks for listening to The Readback. If you're a new listener, welcome. If you've been listening for a while, we're glad to have you back. Either way, we'd love to know what you think of the show. Please leave a review if you listen on Apple Podcasts. Reviews make it easier for others to find the show. You can also email us at thereadbackatbarons.com. Thanks to Kristen Kolodge and Dave Vanderwerp. For more coverage on self-driving, you can check out barons.com. I'm Alex Ewell. The Readback is produced by Katie Ferguson. Melissa Haggerty is our executive producer. Additional thanks to Meta Lutzhoft and Jackson Cantrell. Next week on the show, riding shotgun in a driverless car. 
kind of the culmination of everything was to turn the system on and then jump out of the driver's seat. And so none of the cars knew. And a lot of the cars today would be plenty happy uh, with you in the passenger seat. We'll be back next week.